Welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Tool, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Thank you for joining another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Sue Hawks. Sue is the CEO of Yes. She is also a best-selling author and keynote speaker, and her most recent book, Chasing Perfection, Shatter the Illusion, Minimize Self-Doubt, and Maximize Success is available now for all of us recovering perfectionists. She is also the recipient of numerous awards, including the 2018 Enterprising Women of the Year Award. In this episode, Mike and I uh, connect with Sue regarding hybrid and remote first work environments. We talk about topics such as how to keep your listenership engaged when it is and maybe is not appropriate to use video during meetings and how to prevent video and or Teams, Zoom, whatever platform you're using fatigue. Given that our work environments are changing, they've changed a lot over the last year, and I anticipate they're going to look a lot different going forward. I'm confident that you're really going to enjoy this episode and find Sue not only super engaging and incredibly funny, but also very inspiring and walk away with a lot of good information to bring back to your teams. So as always, enjoy the episode. If you are loving the What the HR podcast and our guest speakers, please do us a huge favor and head out to your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and a review. That information really helps get the What the HR podcast out to those that are not familiar with it and encourages them to share it with people in their lives that can also benefit from these episodes. Take care and happy listening. Well, Sue, welcome to the What the HR podcast. We're so pleased to have you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So at the beginning of the podcast, we gave a more formal bio of of you and yes, but would love maybe a little bit more of an informal, casual background on who Sue is, um, how you got involved in this business. And then if you want to give an overview to our listeners on yes and kind of what your sweet spot is. So yes, quite simply, we as a business help people become intentionally great in their business as leaders and in life. And through their business, it's EOS. We do the entrepreneurial operating system. I'm a certified EOS implementer. For leaders in life, we have a number of vehicles to do that. I've written a book. We have a podcast. We have articles, blogs, et cetera. So that's that stuff. And my path getting here has been the meandering road of an entrepreneur. Um, you know, it's not been anything where I woke up one day and said, wow, if I could just be a trainer, a facilitator, you know, a trusted advisor, that isn't how it went. So <laughs> meandering road did try corporate America for a brief stint. What I did solidify was I had no business being there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, as you indicated, you know, at the kind of the top of your intro, you guys provide a lot of different, you know, great services to your customers. Today's focus is going to be on engaging our virtual work environment, Mm -hmm. but, you know, would love as I, we talked offline of maybe having you on again to talk about another one of your sweet spots, um, at some point, uh, when we can get our calendars to connect again. Well, make sure today's version is good before you have me back. That's what I would say. (laughs) 
Well, um, to get things started, you know, obviously there were, there were remote work environments well before COVID, but I would say that COVID has certainly accelerated remote or virtual work environments for a lot of organizations, whether choosing to return back to, or returning to a hybrid model, you know, maybe offices or organizations are, uh, lessening their footprint and closing down some of the, their locations, et cetera, et cetera. So I have, you know, kind of almost a four point question, but we'll kind of just start at the top and then we can break each of these down as we go. But when we're talking about virtual meetings specifically, you know, in a virtual work environment, when an organization could choose to have a phone conversation versus an actual video conferencing meeting, why would somebody want to choose virtual over hopping on a call? Um, you know, it's a great question, and I don't want to sound like I'm hedging, but I would tell you it depends because some people, you know, here's what I find. It's all about managing energy and getting results. And so some people have Zoom fatigue, which for them is very real. For people like me, it's been the way I've had to navigate my entire business. So I've had to set up my schedule so that something like this at the end of the day, I can bring as much of me to it as I can at seven in the morning. And so I think it's a question for every person, depending on the interaction. If you're interviewing someone and you know, you know, I just don't have it in me. I don't have like the zestiest version of myself available. A phone interaction might be better because you can bring your voice to it without trying to amp up how you're looking and you're engaging and what you're reading. And yet at the same time, there are certain meetings that I would tell you if you can't do it where you can see people, it may not be the right time. And you've got to either schedule it at another time earlier in your day, knowing your own preferences and when you're your best. I mean, I think all those things play into it. And what this great intervention called the pandemic gave us is a way to slow down in order to become more effective. And I think too often, especially right now where we're trying to rush back to some kind of normal or what it was versus what it is, we've got to do some assessing and thinking about why and what. And if you don't do that, you're going to miss the gift of it, which to me, I think there have been a lot of gifts in it. I'm not saying it was easy, but I think you have to choose based on your own, what you bring to it. But engagement happens because you're present, not because of anything else. Yeah. So I agree. A lot of things that have come through the pandemic are, are positive. I do think that when we jumped into the virtual world, we jumped in so hard. And now we're talking about things like Zoom fatigue. I'm yep. curious when you talk about managing energy, it, it seems like during the pandemic, everybody was accessible. So everybody was getting thrown on every single meeting that you could possibly think of. Do you guys help with, I shouldn't say help. Is there something to say about the attendees that are joining these meetings. And if they're not critical, I just don't even put them on there. Well, Mike, I think it's a great point. I think that's always been the case. I think we just notice it <laughs> on Zoom because there's less, like we have to go in order and follow some sort of etiquette. 
And so you see the side chat and the DMs and all that kind of thing, which can be actually, again, a blessing in certain situations because you can check in on people. But no, did people come to meetings they weren't invited for or shouldn't have been at pre-pandemic? For sure. And I think with the same scrutiny, we have to take this intervention and say, wait a second, who's mission critical here and why? And the other big question, which I started this truthfully, like last July, every meeting is not an hour and it doesn't start at the top of the hour and it doesn't end at the top of the hour. But just like you and I just saw here, you know, there are physical needs. There are, we need a drink of water, things like that. And you used to have the time walking down the hall and then you'd get potentially in trouble for being late, right? Instead of on Zoom, it's just somehow okay if you come sliding in late or you come, you leave a little early where I just say, schedule a meeting for the appropriate amount of time and then work to hit that and invite those who need to be there. You can always have another. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to take a full transformation of scheduling in general, because it's hard to schedule that 15 minute block because everybody's calendars are blocked from the top of the hour to, you know, one to one thirty, whatever it may be. So we're calendaring, right? Yeah. We're all, we're all guilty of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, we, we have implemented that recommendation Sue, where, you know, meetings are only 45 minutes, you know, they're scheduled five or 10 minutes after the hour ending kind of, I, I, I refer to it as like hall time, like passing time, you know, (laughs) that you had in like high school or maybe even college. But what I have found at my organization is for those meetings that start at the top of the hour and they end at 45, somebody's on the call and they're like, Hey, Jess, do you, do you have just 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, I'm like, yes. Okay. Yep. I can, I can stay on for five minutes. And then my five minutes turns into 15 minutes and now my bathroom break and my snack break no are no longer in existence. So you know, and, and then kind of going back to the example that you gave earlier about um, being conscientious of your energy, when we were talking about a phone versus a virtual for individuals that are in organizations where maybe they don't have the luxury to make that decision. You know, maybe there's a mandated, Hey, you have to have your video on for these meetings for whatever reason, any recommendations for those individuals on just how to reserve their energy while also still being very present in those mandatory video meetings. Absolutely. And first off, I just want to go on the record as saying, I think the word mandatory ruins everything. So I'm full disclosure, I'm an entrepreneur. So I run the other way from that. That being said, you just saw me do one of them, which is I sat down for the first time, maybe 45 minutes ago, and I have a desk, I'm privileged enough to have a desk with hydraulics, I have had it for 15 years. So I just want to go on record saying that but I have a treadmill desk. And it's one of the best ways I manage energy. Being able to stand is a radical change because you cannot sit all day. You didn't do it before. Why do you think because of the last year that's going to work? So we've got to manage our own what we need. Getting great lighting, another really critical thing. I don't care if everyone has a ring light, but you can get desk lights. Lighting matters greatly. It's possibly one of the most important things that you can change both both for people's perception of you, but also for your own fatigue with a screen. Um, Getting hydrated, 
being able to move during the day. And I, I would dare say, and this isn't a criticism, Jess, but being able to say when someone says, do you have five minutes saying, not right now, but do you have time now? I just had someone do that right before this. And I said, actually, no, how about Friday morning? And I know I have big blocks of time Friday, so I have to have better boundaries which is a difficult thing in the Midwest. We aren't brought up to do that. We aren't supposed to disappoint others that way. And I just go, boundaries are part of this where you have to say, no, I do need to get down the hall. I do need to move my body. I do need to get up. And they're the simple things we hear, but you've got to take advantage of them because just sitting and staring you know, nobody complains about watching the Super Bowl for five hours. And that's what I bring up to people when they go, but I have Zoom fatigue. I go, somehow, when you can watch a football game and you're engaged in it, you're not dreading it. What's the difference? You get up, you get some snacks, you have a beverage. I'm not suggesting we imbibe during work, right? But we've got to manage it the same way. You're in your home. You're going to have to treat it like your home, even though you're working. Yeah. Excellent feedback. And um, boundaries, I would say, are important in every aspect of our life, both personally and professionally. So, (laughs) but yeah, good advice. Hey, Sue, you made a correlation to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And my immediately thought was, well, I'm watching football and and it's a Super Bowl. So, of course, I could sit for five hours and not move around probably. So my question is, business meetings are not football, but they can probably be more engaging than they are today and how can leaders make it or not even just leaders everybody i think it's one of the most important questions you can ask mike right now and i would tell you early in the pandemic i was leading online meetings two days after minnesota shut down i mean two to three hour meetings not a one hour these were half day things and i'm a facilitator so i had to go get trained in some new facilitation techniques, because guess what? I did not have double monitors. I did not have a fancy camera and lighting in my office. I didn't have any of those things. And I think we're at a point where this isn't going away for a majority of businesses. So investing in the quality of what we're doing and learning how to manage that is critical for all leaders. So learning how to ask questions and use Zoom rooms and get people engaged and then to leave in smaller groups and have that more intimate conversation like the three of us can manage the conversation really well and all be part of it. In a room of 30 or 10, I'm going to participate differently. And some people that means I'm not saying a word. And for other people, it's awesome. I have an audience. And so how do you get enough of what either audience, either of those participants needs so that you create intimacy and connection? And it's really actually quite astounding and amazing when done well. And I would tell you, I have practiced hard and doing hybrid is the toughest. Doing all online, I can make it as engaging as being uh, you know, in person where you can do an eight hour day and you're like, I want more of that. Not necessarily this minute, but you can do eight hours and be like, wow, I wish that wasn't over. Mm -hmm. Well, so a lot of people are talking about going back to work now, and there's a lot of different thoughts on it. You hear a lot of leaders that now people are calling them old school because they want people back in the office. I think they get too much flack because to be honest, I think 
some people being in the office has good effects on them, even if they want it or not. So my question is for the people that are pushing more for virtual and they win that battle, should we have more like informal meetings? You know, a lot of virtual happy hours and stuff have come up, but should there be smaller chunks throughout the day or throughout the week that there should be more informal join if you can, but you know, it, it just, just to talk, not, not necessarily business. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think we have to integrate more informal time into our formal meetings, meaning getting on and going, how are you today? How's the end of your day? You know, just like we were doing before we started this, it's just going, Hey, you're a human. I'm a human. Let's start there. If we don't get it, we've missed the hallway time. We've missed the grab a cup of coffee or I bumped into you at the copier kind of time. So we have to integrate it in to be exceedingly human. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to do. I I was, I, I've been on meetings all day today and it was funny. I got on a meeting earlier and we did start with the informal stuff, but I was kind of exhausted from that informal kickoff Mm -hmm. that I wanted to just go right into it. So it is, it is very hard because you can't please everybody and you don't know what their day looks like. Well, or is this the peak end of your day? Are you best at this time of day? Like I can tell you the person I work most most closely with on my team is Allie. Allie comes alive at the end of the day. I'm your best subject at six or 7 a.m. And so I meet her needing coffee and she has a million questions for me where I'm like, I'm out of decisions. So our best thing to do if we need a productive meeting is somewhere midday because everybody's in kind of their their best space for the other. Mm-hmm. That's a great transition into, you know, leadership in a virtual environment, Sue. That was kind of a next another category I wanted to make sure that we covered today. You know, I've experienced um, this last year as an HR business partner and working predominantly with people leaders that just because you are an effective people leader in a brick and mortar office type of environment does not make you an effective leader in a virtual environment. And I think, well, I don't think I know through, you know, sentiments received from my leaders that, you know, the quick popping in at somebody's desk for 15 minutes to say like, how was your weekend? Or, Hey, I know that your son had a ball game last night. How did that go? You know, just kind of the quick small talk that maybe occurred in the morning as people were headed into work or breaks throughout the day. Leaders are struggling with how do I how do I keep that alive, knowing that what we've already talked about, people's schedules are really busy and sometimes putting another meeting on somebody's calendar, although it might be for kind of fun, casual conversation, that person might be like, I'm not interested in fun, casual conversation. I have 15 minutes to use the restroom, get something to eat, or maybe step outside and get some fresh air. So what recommendations would you give to leaders to like really remain human, you know, to their employees and keep them engaged and let their employees know that they care in maybe a different format, if -hmm. you will. I think the two words I would offer to that are ask them. Because again, you're going to get the people who say, let's do that in a one-on-one. I don't need it. You know, to Mike's point earlier, I'm coming from six other meetings. I don't want the informal right now on another day. I might love it. So If I'm a leader who's being general with him, I might be like, oh, Mike 
hates informal talk when it's today. He's out. He's done. He's had enough. You might say, I really don't like it one-on-one. Can we just have a once-a-month get-together, whether virtual, in-person, whatever, where it's just all about that? So I can gear up. I can prepare myself. I can feel great. And you can change your mind. And that's the part that I think we have to remember is we all went into a pandemic aligned. Like everyone had to deal with it all at once and nobody had a playbook. So guess what? I could ask you, I could ask you, I could ask the CEO, I could ask anybody. And it was like, what ideas do you have? And we were all open and vulnerable and willing. Well, now we're coming out of it and we're not all coming out the same because everyone's doing it more autonomously and things will change. So whether you're on the side of, we all have to be together we are going to be completely virtual or the majority of us who are going to go, it's somewhere in that messy middle. It's not going to be a straight line. I really believe we're going to have to navigate it and communicate and keep checking in saying, is this working? Is this still good? Do you still want virtual happy hours? Because I think people are going to be like, hell no, I've had 17, you know, and I think other people will look up and say, No, that's perfect. If we can just do one informal this many times. And I think we have to ask people. And as a leader, I think it is the most respectful and honorable way to just say, hey, I'm just checking in if things changed. Yep. Never take a blanketed approach to the way that you manage your people, essentially. Another thing on that that you mentioned with scheduling the informal time is what I miss is the spontaneous stuff. And it doesn't, it, it seems like we've lost a little bit of that through, through the virtual world. Everything has to be planned on the calendar four days in advance. You know, it's, I don't know if I've ever just, and, and probably my fault, I'm not a leader, but if, you know, I'm sure this may be good, a good recommendation is maybe it is okay to just say, Hey guys, let's jump on at four o'clock for, an impromptu happy hour. Just, it doesn't happen anymore. I miss that. And I would say, try it. I mean, as somebody who works with arrays of people, you'll never know. You'll never have one right answer on this, especially right now. Cause I think we're all, you know, a little off kilter. Cause it's like, is it safe? Is it not safe? Who feels like it's safe? Can I elbow bump you fist pumped you shake your hand or are are we full on huggers? Cause we've been together, you know, it's just weird right now. And I think to be human is to acknowledge that and to just say, Hey, I'm going to try this. And maybe it's just the three of us and we're going to have happy hour today. You know, I'm free at four. Are you? Oh, Hey, nobody is. Um, I also think spontaneity comes when there's nothing on the calendar, Mike. And so You know, it can be, I'm going to leave a certain portion of my calendar to the degree that you have control over that. That's just not scheduled. So if somebody needs something or if I need something, I can say, I'm going to just grab somebody and say, do you have a half hour? I'd love to catch up. Participation within, within calls. I'm really curious on your feedback on this as a leader should you require cameras on or give, give them the option? I, I've seen both. Mm-hmm. And when you know it's going to be on, it's kind of nice. You kind of dread it, but it's kind of nice. And when you have the option, it seems 
especially like recurring meetings, eventually it's a point where like nobody turns them on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious on your feedback. Well, I will tell you again, because I have some say over this, this may not always be possible, but I request it. I never demand, I never mandate, but when we're doing workshops or facilitating a session or meeting with people, I set out some guidelines. This is what I've found to be great meetings. And these are more engagement. Here are some things to prepare for. And you might have one, two, or three things to think about. And it would really be helpful if your camera was on, not because I want to see you like, you know, to know you're there, but so that I get what limited feedback I can in a limited medium. The benefit of this and the three of us even doing this is I always hide my self view because I've never been in a meeting where I saw myself. And it's one of those like, I don't wanna see what I look like while I'm talking. That in and of itself reduces fatigue, number one. Number two, I get both of your full faces. So while we're talking, I can see the nodding and the subtleties, which is way more information than if we were sitting at a conference table, I get profile. And so I don't know if people really, I study people for a living. So it's like being able to have all that information significantly alters how I participate. But I also ask people to come engage, to prepare, to think about it, that I understand it's a lot to ask. But when you do that, I find more people than not are on. And when I'm doing anything where I'm putting people in Zoom rooms, what I will say is if you aren't visible, you are actually making it harder for the other people to have a meaningful experience and yourself because you're going to a room with them. And guess what? If you don't go, we know you're not there. Or if you ask for repeated instructions, I know you're doing email. And not that any of us, myself included, have ever done that. Um, it really isn't about being engaged. So don't be surprised if you're tired or don't find meaning in your meetings because you can't show up to an in-person meeting with a laptop open, though many of us did it with phones. Yeah, you know, on that note too, you know, do you see engage leaders, um, leaders' way of engaging their participants different in a virtual setting than back when we were all in a sitting around a conference room together? I would like to say yes, but sadly, I think not enough leaders have invested themselves in learning what it takes to be engaging online. And it does take a different skill set. At least that's been my experience as I have invested in training to say, how do you make this something that's more interactive and participatory? Mm hmm. How, how do you, so how do you do that? I'm, I'm curious. You have to ask way more questions. You have to ask for people to participate. You have to learn to do subtle things that matter a ton where it'd be like, if I was going to ask for answers and let's say I did this, this is how I would set up a typical interaction. If we were in a meeting, rather than coming and downloading a bunch of info on you, I would say, here's what I want to learn about. And I would say, learn, not talk about. And then I might put you two in a room and let you vet some ideas with one or two very specific questions that I had to think through ahead of time to make them meaningful. Then I'd say, when you come back in the main room, and let's say there were eight of us in this meeting or six, I would say, when you come back in, 
let's get all of the ideas on. Now, I have a crazy camera that I could show you guys if I move a few things on my desk that, again, this is part of the techniques, but it's not, it's a $300 investment, not cheap, but is a game changer because you can get interactivity and I'm buying myself time. Sorry, audience. Um, while we're they, they doing it, they can't see anyway. So they can't see it's you, just, but you guys can. No, we so can. We'll you, explain it. Can you see my hand right now? Yes. Yep. Now I'm going to pull my little remarkable tablet because I, now I have to put my self view on. You can describe this to people. But if I was saying, now what answers did you guys come up with? Should have prepared this. It would have been so great. You know, so I'm taking notes while I'm on the call with you. And I might be saying, now, what did you guys come up with? And as you're talking, you'll see I'm up in the corner. You can still see me. And I'd be going, Mike. Okay, great answer, right? Jess, yeah. okay, thanks. Bob, what did you say? Now, you can do that on an iPad. You can do that, you know, in the chat. You can ask teams to put it in before they come back or when they come back. I can do my fancy transition with my fancy camera. You're having to pay, like, pay attention and play along with me as opposed to me just saying, Okay, um, I'll send the email afterward. I'm extracting things and I'm consolidating. And then your voices are heard and part of. And then we get to say, all right, of these three things, if we had to make a choice today, what do we want to do? And we get engaged in dialogue. And whether I have to make a decision, we have to come together, whatever, it's now collaborative and you feel like you've been heard. Right. That's a way different and getting people in a conference room and going, hi, people, I want to talk. Here's the PowerPoint slide after PowerPoint <laughs> slide, which is what every meeting has become. And no one wants to watch PowerPoint. Right. Well, and I want to describe what we just watched because people yep. can't see it. But it reminds me of a projector like when I was in school. Right. Somebody overhead. up front, an overhead projector. Exactly. And it, it was engaging even to watch you write on it. And it what it made me realize is there's not a lot of like whiteboarding going on within these Zoom meetings. Whereas when we were in person, there was always somebody writing something down and it brought you, not only did it make you feel like what you have, what you said has been heard, um, but it also gets everybody else to look at it and see, because how many times on Zoom, right? Your, your phone rings or something and all of a sudden you miss what somebody just said. Mm -hmm. so, so you can't not, now you feel lost and you don't want to engage because you don't want to ask something that, has already been answered. So are there other techniques outside of the projector thing you just showed? You know, if I don't want to spend $300, is there like a whiteboard feature or how else are people doing this? So there are numerous apps that you can go to. Um, there's one that I love to use when I'm doing hybrid meetings, which we weren't really talking about, but it's called um, Mentimeter and it's free. You can buy the paid version. There's tons of things like this where you don't have to get the, the paid for version, but you can make them work for meetings. And the technology levels the playing field for both audiences. So it isn't, I'm only with the live people in that other group over there. The thing I would tell you is you end up using your phone to everybody has to text in to play along. And then the tool aggregates the info and you're just sharing the link so everyone is seeing it and that's entirely engaging. Um, 
I'm trying to think of, there are so many of them, I'd have to list them and send them to you guys and we can get that. But there's another one called Easy Retro, that if you're doing brainstorming, you can have hundreds of people together on a Zoom and you can have them all working on the exact same thing at the exact same time, seeing real time things and being able to move it all around while you're doing it. There are infinite things. If you Google it, you know, and I feel like an old person saying this to young people, but it's like, what do I want to whiteboard? If you have anyone with an iPad Pro, you can whiteboard because you just need a um, lightning cord to go into your computer. But again, I didn't know all this. I had to get with people who are going, I facilitate nothing but online meetings. And I'm going, oh my God, there's 500 different methods, including Zoom itself has a whiteboard function. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. So that's where we start going, how do we teach ourselves and take some initiative to say, I'm going to have a non-boring meeting. Let me be the, and then what I've done a hundred percent of the time, true story, Mike and Jess, I've never done this before. We're going to try it. You're going to watch me fail. So please be prepared to laugh and make cracks. I have yet to have people not say, thank you for doing that. I'm glad you tried with us. That was terrific. You know, People are on your side about it. Just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You're making it interesting and different. Well, here's a dumb one too. Listen to this. <laughs> Some sound effects, crowd cheering. Yeah. It sounds like the Super Bowl we were talking about. It is. <laughs> I got some fun things that I can just interject in the middle of someone's sharing. Somebody goes, What's, I often start meetings by saying, what's the best thing going on in your life right now? People are so off guard by that because it's like during a pandemic, who's asking about that stuff? And then I'd hit a sound effect if it was sad. Whoops, not that one. I can't find it. I never use that one. <laughs> There's one that does the wah, 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 you know, and I don't use that one often because usually you don't want to do it then. But dumb dumb but it works well we need to link some of these things into the the show description but i am curious on the one that you just the sound machine mm -hmm. how does that like do you just that's plug a that in your, little in, thing <laughs> sorry does it plug right in though and it it plays through the speakers like we weren't hearing that like off your phone nope but i will tell you i also have um I moved it because I had to take a picture of my office, but I had a little $5 device off of Amazon that has about nine sound effects. And I used to put that right up to my microphone and just hit one. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Cheaper options. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's infinite. That's why I say, if you have Amazon and you have Google, what is it you're trying to create? And there's something for it. And you can find an inexpensive version. You can find an expensive version. I will tell you, I have friends who have, you know, goofy glasses and hats and they have, you know, a stress ball. And so if somebody's saying something, they'll be like, get to the point, you know, <laughs> and it's just funny because we're limited in what we can do, but bringing a little comic relief to a meeting, so appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do miss out on a lot of the 
whether it's inside jokes or just as a group in those little meetings where, you know, you, you get off, get off script a little bit and it's 20 minutes later, those are the best ones. Exactly. And you go, I can't wait to see those people again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I think everybody needs to take a conscious effort. You know, I, I show up to a lot of meetings where you can just tell like people are ready to get to business and it might, you know, to the point that we made at the top of our hour here, where we were talking about shortening meetings to 45 minutes or 30 minutes, I feel like there's more pressure than ever to squeeze a 60 minute meeting into 30 or 45 minutes. So people often kind of just want to jump in and get to the topic, but it is amazing to the point that you just made Sue about having just a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be super time intensive to throw something like that in. And people that may have just come from a super stressful meeting, or they're not super excited about the topic that they're going to have to discuss in this meeting, et cetera, et cetera. How much that can just like make your shoulders go from this to this, you know, and you're showing up in in such a different mindset. Just what you just did and no one got to see you, but us was, you know, squeeze your shoulders up by your ears and then let them down. That's something they do in yoga. Mm-hmm. Physically make you relax. If you did just that and said, look, everybody, it's been a long day. Let's just squeeze our shoulders up, release them down, do it one more time. Just believe me. It's weird. Just go with me. <laughs> Shut off your camera for this part. You know, go down again. Everybody goes like, Oh, thanks. You know, it's like, I can't get you a massage today, but we're going to start the meeting. Let's do it. That takes 25 seconds. Yep. You know, so you can get to the point you can get right to business. I will tell you, I'm one of the most efficient people you'll ever meet. So I don't waste a lot of time, but we can't strip out our humanity because Mm -hmm. we're using technology. Technology is an ad. It is not the problem. Don't make it the problem. It's just a medium. We're still meeting. It's boring people meeting, whether you're in person or you're on a meeting. It's like, what are you going to do to engage people? Engagement means be present and contribute in my world. How do we do that? How do we make it easy and and inviting for people to do that? Well, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, and I was going to change subjects just a little bit. So Jess, if you had a comment on that. No, I was going to change topics too. So go for it. I was going to ask, because we talked about like the fun, you know, things within meetings, but I think one of the challenges for leaders is also having those maybe more serious conversations via a virtual meeting. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about, you know, maybe it's preparation or it's, you know, introducing some fun things like that to a serious conversation. Like it it does feel a little bit different when you're not sitting across the table from somebody. It does, but it doesn't have to. Um, I will tell you, my husband's a physician and we were having a conversation literally last night. And he said, I said, it's not all bad. You know, we were talking about online because in his profession, they, they might be a little slower to adapt than others. You would think medicine would be early and it's not. And he said, I actually have one meeting that's gotten better. And I asked him why that was. And he said, we have been more willing to be vulnerable on a screen than we were in person. So when I think about having hard conversations, Mike and Jess, I think about that there's some level of protection 
you have by being on a screen, you know, that it doesn't feel as upfront and personal as when I'm looking at your real eyes, I'm looking at your virtual eyes, you know, it's not quite there. And so being able to communicate is the number one thing. And I don't care what the medium is, but I would tell you in any more serious, whether that's a vulnerable thing, a reprimand, reprimand kind of situation, um, something that's, you know, we're losing money, whatever it might be, you've got to be able to say it quickly and say it directly, but you say it kindly. And so mm-hmm. I always say to people, the best thing you can do up front, if it's uncomfortable, is to say, you know what, Jess, this is really uncomfortable for me, but I got to get right to the point. This is going to be a hard conversation. So I just want you to put on a seatbelt. I'm going to do the very best that I can because I care about you as a person. It's just hard to have this conversation through a screen. I think being able to say that up front puts everybody a little more at ease. Like, yeah, this sucks, but I can't change it right now. Yeah. You know, the, the comment that you had made about maybe it being a little bit easier virtually than, you know, sitting in a room physically with somebody is something that I've always coached my leaders to do is when you bring somebody into your office to have a difficult conversation, do not sit behind your desk pull your chair around, have an, or maybe you have an office that's big enough that you've got a little table with a couple chairs, you know, make it feel a lot less formal or like, a am sitting in the big, at the big mahogany desk with the big office chair, you know, looking over at you, my individual contributor, giving you this feedback. Mm-hmm. And so maybe too, just the environment of being in our own personal space where we're more comfortable um, help sort of alleviate that big mahogany desk example that may have been historically really intimidating to somebody. Brilliant and accurate. And that's how you build rapport. Yeah. yeah. But we have to meet on the fact that it's awkward no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in person, you're online, and it's just, this is kind of difficult to do. And I just want to say that because again, now I'm, I'm as vulnerable as you are to start with. Yeah. Yeah. It brings you down. It brings you at the same level of, of shittiness. Yeah. 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 Well, that's kind of a good transition into employee engagement, I think, because I, I did want to chat with you about, you know, outside of formal listening strategies, how can leaders gauge and monitor their employee engagement in a virtual or hybrid environment? I think the two are different. I think, you know, being able to engage. So engagement to me is several things. And I think the word gets thrown around like it's just this thing you do or don't do. And there's some switch that people have and other people don't. I think engagement comes from like when Mike said, well, if it's the Super Bowl, I might not even get up for five hours. Why is he engaged with that differently than a work meeting? Now we can make up a whole bunch of stuff, but what if I said, knowing that he's capable of that, how do I engage him in the same kinds of ways that might be interesting to him, to me over this topic? Now, I'm not saying policy is as exciting as watching you know, grown men hit one another. That's different. But it's, if people are capable of that, and we know they are, because people talked about Netflix binging. 
I always thought that was an interesting commentary when we were talking about Zoom fatigue and then what do you do? You get done and you go binge movies. And what are you watching them on? You're probably, if you're under 40, not watching them on a television. And that's where I sit there and I go, there's, there's a juxtaposition. So engagement to me is more me taking responsibility for what are the options? Again, and I've given you some technological tools. I think that's a large portion. For hybrid, it's a necessity, I'm going to tell you. If you do not use technology as your friend and find ways to use sometimes, I will tell you for hybrid, I, I have a second facilitator. I never manage a hybrid room by myself. I have a second person. Um, they're watching the online audience, and we do the same outcome-based thing, but how we do it is completely different. I have to have two sets of instructions. There has to be a little more patience. We have to make a little joke about that because we've got to set up one audience that way, and then there has to be someone who can type and get things going and get the chat working or get the tool working or put them in rooms. And then I've got to put people in groups and ask them different questions and set them up differently. Now, if we're really good, we do that simultaneously and the audience doesn't know the difference. So most places aren't saying, oh, we have a 10 a.m. staff meeting and we're going to have two facilitators. You're not going to do it. But you have to think it through from a, how do I get the best of the people that I'm inviting here and make it meaningful? That, again, there's some prep work because when people can prepare, it's better because it's not a surprise. And that when they're there, they're collaborating and they're participatory, not static, because that's where we failed. Again, we prepare these elaborate PowerPoints where I go, have two PowerPoint slides for a one-hour meeting is plenty. Put a couple of questions on them. Watch what happens. You'll get a radically different meeting when you, again, mine from collective wisdom rather than saying, I'm going to come at this the same way. Even if I've deduced something and I need you to know, I can slide that in there. But I didn't hear from you what you think, what you need, what you want. And missing that isn't going to have me get to a better solution. It's going to be worse, actually. So we have to get away from having answers and knowing the point and delivering things and turn it more into how do I extract, how do I invite, how do I collaborate? You know, I love that. And, you know, I have a couple members of that's on my team that were remote prior to COVID being a thing. And I imagine there are people listening that are like, yep, I've always been sort of the exception, not the rule, you know, the employee that got, you know, transferred to a different location because my spouse's job brought him or her someplace else. And my employer allowed me to work remote. And this particular employee on our team is incredible. She's, she's, you know, I, I learned from her every day. She's, she's an amazing member of our team, but yet I always felt like she got forgotten in our meetings because we would be sitting in a conference room together 
you know, she would be dialed in, we'd all be talking. And, you know, when you dial into a meeting where 95% of the people are in the same room together, you can't get a word in edgewise. You never know when it's a good time to interrupt. You don't get good audio. (laughs) Yeah. You miss all the jokes. You miss the body language, all of that business. So I'm really excited for the people like her who had this environment prior to COVID that now have partners in this and where employers are being a lot more mindful. We used to brainstorm like, do we need to bring Julie's picture and set it in the middle of the conference room table so we would not forget that she's on the call? Like we would brainstorm ways to keep her engaged because they're the, those that are not in the room are as valuable as those right. that are in the room. Right. I heard someone, I had a woman on my podcast, my podcast, that is an expert in this. I I profess to be a decent facilitator and collaborator and someone who minds energy in groups. This woman is an expert in equity and flexibility, and this is her strength. And she was saying that what people have um, felt like is gone from being out of sight and out of mind, what you were talking about to, or sorry, um, not seen and not heard to out of sight and out of mind, Mm -hmm. that that's been the transition. And what we have to do, again, to facilitate in a hybrid environment, we have to make both audiences equal. We have to care the way you just talked about saying, you're such a valuable partner in this. I want your voice. And you might have to again, facilitate and learn some new skills to engage both audiences equally. And that's the part that's the hardest is how do I make sure it's it's weighted the right way? If 90% of the people are here and one is out, it means that 10% of the time has to be weighted differently than the 90% that are bebopping around because there's so much energy that comes with that. Well, I know we're coming up on our hour here, so we need to wrap things up. Uh, Mike, was there anything else? Yeah, I had one thought. I don't know if it's a question or a thought, but I, you know, as we've talked about this, my mind kind of runs, and I think back to how things were. And I try to figure out Zoom fatigue as well. You, you've mentioned some really good points, which which has helped me. But you know, because you never really know necessarily why energy is down. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things I thought of is with Zoom meetings, it seems like you always feel like you have to be ready to be on camera potentially. And so I, I feel like, and I'm in sales, so I'm on the road a lot, or I was. Mm-hmm. So I could take calls. It didn't matter if they heard traffic in the background or kids playing or whatever. That was normal because no, you know, people were, you know, you dial in, it's a phone call. And now it, it seems like I want to be at my desk in my office during a Zoom call because of the potential that 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 camera has to be on. Mm -hmm. Is there anything to that? And is there something that leaders can say to their team or, you know, to address this? That's I guess that would be my question is what can what can they do as a leader to make their people feel comfortable? Like take a Zoom call from the park with your kids. It doesn't matter. Um, I think you've answered your own question. I mean, I think the most important part for employers and employees to have is clarity. What is and isn't okay. And because it's changing, and I'm going to say this again, I think it will change all year. I think it's going to be a messy year. I think we're going to have rules and then we're going to undo rules and we're going to redo rules. And I think being able to say, 
what is okay and what isn't okay. Because sometimes I need to get away from my screen and I want to be engaged, but being engaged means I could be walking outside on Zoom with my camera on and you can see the trees going by or I can put my picture up and put my headphones in and make sure every question you ask, I will be the first one to answer so you know I'm here but I'm gonna do it while I'm on a walk, or I'm gonna do it from the end of my dock, or I'm gonna be up at the cabin or driving or whatever it might be. And I can watch my kid's baseball game and maybe have to mute while the cheering happens or the swearing, right? But <laughs> that's, I. we have to ask and we have to be willing to bring humanity into work, but also not be forgetting that it's work. And I think there's a management of that, that we have kind of camps right now. We have one camp that says, oh, it's t-shirts and leggings and sweats. And we have the other one going, uh-uh, put your jacket on and play the game. And I think there's middle ground to be taken if we can navigate it with humanity. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. That was a great way to end. So I'm really glad that you asked that last question, Mike. Um, so Sue, it is really been a pleasure. I know we kind of joked at the top of the hour that wait and see how the, the next hour goes before we invite <laughs> you back, but I'm confident that we would love to have you back to talk on other topics. But in the meantime, how can people connect with you? How can they learn more about Yes? Uh, I know you've got some books, other resources, so share all the goodies with our listeners. Well, we'll share as many as you want and can use. Um, our website is sayyes.com with two Y's in the middle, two S's is in say on the end. So say yes.com or yes, Y-E-S-S dot learnworlds.com where there are tons of interactive courses and things for you to do, many of which are free. And how about LinkedIn or other social media oh, platforms? All social things. You can look up my name, Sue Hawks, H-A-W-K-E-S or yes, you'll find us. We're, we're all over. I always assume Everybody on the planet goes there first. Okay. <laughs> Sue, and then, you, oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, if you aren't done, I was going to say, can you use your machine to give, give a round of applause on the way out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> give yourself a standing ovation. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsrm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.